Hello and welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. And a little known fact, we became friends when she gave me some Rolos. Whitney Nelson. <laughs> I always have a spare Rolo. <laughs> have you, have you, do you eat Rolos? I do. I'm, I am big into caramel or caramel, depending on where you're from. Interesting. And uh, so I have always, even as a very young child, Rolos was one of my favorite candies to get. I would not get a candy bar. I would get Rolos. So it was funny to me when he said that they were an adult candy. <laughs> I, that related to me in a big way because mm-hmm. I have not had a Rolo since like my grandparents gave them to me. Like it's not a thing that I think about or actively seek out, but I definitely do associate it as like an adult candy. Yeah, I mean, I also, as a kid, my f- and still to this day, but as a kid specifically, my favorite ice cream flavor, flavor was either butter pecan or pecan praline, which Ooh. is like grandma flavor. <laughs> that is sure. the butter pecan is the ice cream flavor of grandmothers. So Absolutely. I kind of always had a, a, a grandma taste. <laughs> That's great. Well, hey. Maybe after this, I, I thought it might be necessary to seek out a Rolo. Not needlessly. I have, I got to go out and do my big shop. But I when I do that. I actually have a Rolo in my snack drawer. <laughs> so It's very on brand. My boyfriend will literally eat himself sick on any candy or sweets or anything. Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. chips, whatever. If I have it in the house and it's snacky, he will eat it until he feels ill. And so I have a drawer that is my drawer that he knows exists, but doesn't know where it is. And it is full. Literally, uh, I ate all the Pop-Tarts and uh, Rice Krispie treats out of it, but it still has little baggies of chips and Reese's peanut butters and mini Snickers and all sorts of stuff in there. Some Swedish fish. Oh, Oh, Swedish fish. It's deadly. That's the one that gets me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's my kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Jody uh, also recommends Butter Rum Lifesavers and says, hello. Hello, Jody. <laughs> I prefer Werther's Original to Butter Rum Lifesavers. But again, they all fit into the like grandma category of treats. So I'm in for any of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You get some of those. What were they like? I'm trying to think. Were they strawberries? I don't know what that little... It was like a little wrapped treat that looked like some sort of fruit. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, they look like strawberries. They've got a little like red seed package, but the top is is green. That's it. Like twisty top. Yeah. (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) Oh. Just wait until one day we're together and I have like butter mints in my purse or something like that. You're like... Feeling snacky? It's like, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm like that grandma in church who's like, here's a butterscotch <laughs> to keep you entertained. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. It, in keeping with not necessarily kicking off the show right away, I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you happen to know? This is pretty big. I got to be honest. I feel uh, uh, my heart is full. Do you know what episode this is for us? No. What episode is it? I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let our favorites tell us. Sixty nine, dudes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. This is not an important episode for most podcasts, but for this one, 
Yes. Welcome mm -hmm. to the 69th episode of Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. Mm -hmm. I was going through our list. I'm like, this is incredible. We just have to have a little celebration. So that, that was it. Yeah. Let's, let's get into this. I, I, I'm very curious about your thoughts on this film, but we have a little bit of stuff to get out of the way here first. So. Uh, up top, as always, I want to mention, you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com, email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. So many people do that all the time. I love it. We love it. We retweet it's you. Great. We, we chat. It's the best. It's literally the best. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're watching live on Periscope or Twitch, hello, Jody. Hello, uh, maybe some other random stranger? I don't know. Someone looks like someone else That's is in there. That's a rude thing to call them. I mean, until they show themselves, they are a random stranger. <laughs> okay, Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. <laughs> uh, you can feel free to chime in along the way here with your two cents. We'll read your comments out loud. Agree, debate you, do all, you know, all that fun stuff. And then finally, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends. Rate and review us on iTunes. I shared like, kind of a cool, like, uh, our, our numbers recently with Whitney. And there's a lot of you. There's... There's a lot of you. So there is a lot of you out there. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for like hanging out uh, every mm -hmm. week. This is great. Mm -hmm. we, we, we love to have you. Um, yeah, the reviews that helps more people find us all this algorithm stuff. I don't know how it works, but, you know, do that if you get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. <sighs> OK, it's just us today. So if it's OK, I'll, I'll take the synopsis here and then uh, we'll get into the show proper. Yes. Today, we are talking about the film A Happening of Monumental Proportions. And the plot synopsis from IMDb is, during the course of one day, a group of students at a Los Angeles high school find themselves caught up in a plot of sex, lies, and dead bodies. Um, which is like, eh. <laughs> that's not how I would frame this movie, but... Um, it's factual, but it's, it's, part, it's, it's part misleading. <laughs> Sure, sure. That's, that's what I would say. Factual but misleading. Yeah, yeah. This was written by Gary Lundy and is the directorial debut of uh, the amazing Judy Greer, as we had discussed, mm -hmm. I think, on our last episode. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, this might be Gary Lundy's first film writing credit as well. So okay. that's what we're getting into here. Co-starring in this film is a ridiculous list of very talented people. This might be the craziest cast I've ever seen, just because <laughs> I, it's everybody in it, except for the kids, every person in it, even people who have four seconds of screen time in one line, yeah. are somebody that you recognize. It's, it's nuts. Like, there are people who are uncredited in the main cast. Not uncredited, but like, we'll get to it when we talk about it, but... Yeah. Everybody in this movie who's an adult is somebody that I knew as soon as I saw them. Absolutely. It's crazy. Even, You're like, even what? tiny little what should be extras. Yeah. <laughs> so just the just skimming the surface, we have Jennifer Garner, Allison Janney, Katie Holmes, Bradley Whitford, Kumail Nanjiani, Rob Riggle, John Cho, Common, and Storm Reed, who is playing Common's daughter, but you might recognize her from like A Wrinkle in Time or HBO's mm -hmm. Euphoria. She has continued to have like a great, great acting career. Mm -hmm. So, Whitney, this cast, it's directed by Judy Greer. Tell me what the critics thought. It had to have done 
it had to have done great. How could you lose? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, not so much with the critics. The critics gave it a measly 16%. Oh, no. The audience gave it a 57%, which I definitely, usually I tend to line up more with the critics. I definitely line up more with the audience. I don't think that this is a great movie, and we'll talk about this more, but I think 57 is much more fair than 16. Yeah, yeah. 16 is way too harsh. And I'm usually on on the side of being harsh, but that's too harsh. Um, (laughs) To Christy Lemire who wrote for RogerEbert.com, says, Judy Greer assembled a monumental cast for her directing debut, A Happening of Monumental Proportions. Then she stranded her fellow actors with material that doesn't even begin to tap into their talents. And I do think that that is the main problem with this movie. <laughs> right, right. But again, we'll talk more about it, but I 16% is way harsher than this movie was well and maybe it's just because we've slogged through some really unbearable muck to get here right but this is nowhere near the bottom we have a perspective that few have actually going through the list of of what we've done um so we have a user quote from mark s who gives it three out of five stars on Rotten Tomatoes. And he says, if anything, this film feels like a series of small comedic stories rather than a full film. The cast is amazing with a lot of cameos, but the script feels underbaked and I just wish more happened. The film is also very short and moves by very quickly. It's a nice little film, but nothing groundbreaking. And it does offer some laughs, which I feel is Pretty much how I feel. But we also have some listener thoughts sent in. Melissa Chonka said, I thought this was a cute movie. Good cast. Loved Bradley Whitford. I liked Keanu's two-minute scene. Probably would not watch it again, but may recommend it if someone was looking for something to watch to pass the time. Uh Zoe says, in the UK, this film is called A Very Bad Day. Make that a very bad hour and a half for all concerned, those in the film and those watching it. So Zoe's on the Zoe's on the critic side this time. Plus uh-huh. points, stellar cast with some great actors doing what they can with their roles, i.e. Allison Janney and Jennifer Garner. The child actors were not too annoying, which is a fabulous way to phrase. It. <laughs> sure. You know, sure. there's a bunch of kids in it. They're not too annoying. Right. Minus not a good film. I finished it feeling tired and unsatisfied. For Keanu fans, you can just forward to his scene towards the end. You don't need to know how bad Commons Day is. I stuck it out just for Keanu as Jody had tipped me off. Ah, oh, Jody. Well done. Good, good well looking done. out, Jody. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what people thought. Andrew, what did you think? I feel like I'm pretty much on par with the audience for this mm-hmm. one. So I was just talking with somebody right before we started recording about I if you if you've learned nothing about me from this entire podcast for those of you following along since the beginning I'm a pretty easy laugh, right? I like mm-hmm. to laugh. I like having fun. Mm-hmm. I I like it a lot. And this movie has a lot of funny things mm-hmm. about it. So a lot of people could take him or leave him. Rob Riggle's quips in this, I liked. He is like a very polarizing person for a lot of people, but I tend to like most of his stuff, even though it's exactly the same. Alice and Janney, 
had some great looks in this, like no dialogue, just like incredulous kind of looks that were very funny. Every time Keanu talked about his schedule was the funniest goddamn thing I heard I, about this movie. Yeah. I died. So just, just up front, cards on the table. There's pros and cons to this movie. Overall, it's pretty unremarkable. But if you are a Keanu Reeves fan, it's almost a must-see. Jody yeah. says that she's only seen Keanu's th- scenes, bless YouTube. And I think oh. that that's maybe the way to do it. Unless you're just sort of like a comedy nerd and you want to see all right. these faces in the same place. It is overall pretty unremarkable. But you have to see, if you are a fan of Keanu Reeves, you have to see his part of this movie. And hear his voiceover on the phone calls. Because we get like yes. three phone calls before we get to actually see him on screen at the very yeah. end. Um, and we'll talk more about that, but as a Keanu fan for a Keanu podcast, he is by far the highlight of this movie. Right. It's a building. He is the apex of the film almost. Like we're (laughs) building to this point with Keanu in a very fun way throughout. So every time, yeah, him and his wife is, um, I'm spacing on, uh, it's Jennifer Garner plays his wife and the way that they play off of each other or like can finish each other's sentences in a fun way. I really thought that was good. So there were a lot of individual, individually funny moments in this movie, but it didn't, it's not like, I don't know. It didn't necessarily connect. And I think that was like a problem with the pacing. Like when we changed gears to focus on other characters, because Mm -hmm. this is very much, an ensemble movie and I'll get to a couple of the ones that it feels like and ones that it might be aspiring to be. Mm -hmm. But when we switched gears to certain other characters, I was like, ah, I got it. This weird sense of like with the teacher in particular, the music teacher, I was like, there's Mm -hmm. this sense of malaise here. where I'm like, Oh, it's dragging it down. It was really funny with common and the boss and Bradley Whitford and who cut the cord. I was like, this is so bonkers. Mm-hmm. but believable in a way also. Uh, so there was that for me. I love, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of ensemble films mm-hmm. overall. This is, I mean, when you look at this cast, you're like, how could this not be an ensemble film? Uh, ones that work for me to greater or lesser degrees, uh, Love Actually, I Heart Huckabees, um, uh, Wet Hot American Summer, mm-hmm. uh, most Wes Anderson films, like the Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. of course. So. Th- those films all do this great job of like every time we switch the perspective of a different character, I I care equally about what's happening here as opposed to what's happening over here. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't quite balance that as well for mm-hmm. me. There are <laughs> ensemble films that I wish I never saw. So <laughs> movie 43, uh, Valentine's Day, Rat Race, <laughs> like. Oh, Rat Race. I'm sorry if you go back no, and watch Rat terrible. Race. It's oh, terrible. yeah, okay. <laughs> But like, but also it's great. I mean, everybody was in that. Like everybody who was a person at the time was in it. Yes. And this was smack dab in the middle of my like huge Seth Green crush. So obviously I was going to see that. Wait, no, not Seth Green. Wait. It's Seth Green, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brecken Meyer. Okay. Yeah. Easily confused. Had a lot of same movies that overlapped, I believe, probably. So. Wait, no, Seth Green was in Rat Race, wasn't he? Yeah. It's been a long time. 
I, yeah, I yeah. Mean, he wears like a straw fedora. That feels right. He was that was his time, you know. That was his time to shine. But also Brecken Myers in it, right? Because I had a crush on him too. I don't <laughs> it's know. Too, it's a twofer for Whitney. It's a twofer. Yeah. I'd uh I'd be remiss if I also and I I take every opportunity I can to to say this. Ensemble films that I also wish I hadn't seen, uh, Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. So uh, there is that. Mm-hmm. See Birds of Prey instead. Right. Do in that. Because you haven't instead. been around long enough for me to, <laughs> to have heard me wax poetic about Birds of Prey. Go watch Birds of Prey. You know the best part of Suicide Squad? What if they gave that character her own film? Yeah. Oh, oh, what? what? Oh, my God. And then they gave it a better director. And sure. a better supporting cast and more fun storyline. There was that. It's that. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I'm not going to, I would not group this film with those films, right? This is not a movie 43 or a Valentine's Day, but it is also not for me like an I Heart Huckabees or Wet Hot American Summer. It falls right, mm-hmm. like, de- like pretty much dead in the middle of those for me, M- leaning more Slightly more towards the better ones because the performances in this are are great. Like Kumail, for the pff, four Very minutes he's in it, scene. yeah, so funny, so yes. funny. So overall, I, I liked it. I did not love it. It was like it, it was a good way to pass the time. It is like a very tight 80 minutes. So you sit down and this movie is like half over. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. like, whoa, what happened? Um, my only other call outs were, is what Zoe said. I thought the child actors in a situation like this can like completely destroy that part of the storyline. I thought they were fine. Like, especially Storm Reed and even the the kid, like Bradley Whitford's son. I thought he was also very good. I thought the kid who played Darius did an incredible job because it's very hard for a precocious kid who can carry the lines and carry the weight of like his storyline. He's as much, he's the only kid who's as much of a storyline as any of the adults. Absolutely. And when you put him in with a cast of powerhouses who are all incredible and he has to carry his own weight of the movie, I think he did a very good job doing it because he was not annoying. He was, he did everything well. It all felt real and believable. Like I think he did a very good job. And I also, I think Storm is great just in general. So um, that was obviously good. Everyone else in the movie, kid actor wise, was not in it really enough to count. But right. some of them were annoying. Thankfully. But like the two main kids <laughs> that we see the most were were great. Yeah, the bully and then Storm's friends. You're like, okay, we had just yeah, enough yeah. of them. And that one kid who comes to the school early and sits down. Yes, of course. That yeah. kid annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like the the two main kids who we care most about. Yeah, I enjoyed them. Yeah, they're they're good. They're good. That's that's basically it for me. Oh, and also, I'd be remiss if I didn't call out how how is John Cho so goddamn handsome? It's unbelievable. Oh, he just keeps getting more handsome, which is weird. You would think that like in his heyday it would be his most attractive, and it's not. Also, when did Bradley Whitford get buff? Because when he took <laughs> his shirt off, I was like, "Hello, Bradley Whitford's arms." Yeah, he's hey, I don't know, he's. He's great and everything. For an older man, he is aging well. And I don't know if it's just he was told that he had to have his shirt off and like he had to be in a tank top fighting common. And so he was like, <laughs> I got to up my game. 
I got to train right. for this like people do for, you know, Marvel movies. <laughs> I don't know. That could be the case. Or he could just be yeah. way more fit than I expected because I feel like he's always wearing suits and stuff. But uh, I was surprised by how buff Bradley Whitford was. <laughs> he, Bradley Whitford, he asked his agent, he was like, who, who will I be fighting? And the agent's like, it's Common. He's like, oh, okay. What was the last movie Common did? (laughs) Uh, John Wick chapter two. Oh, shit, I got to work out. (laughs) But not even that. Common has always been one of the most beautiful, beautiful men ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I felt very funny about Common in this because I just said there is no role that Common is in that he can't be played by somebody better. Yeah. I still think that's true. I think that the best acting I've ever seen him do is John Wick 2. Uh, I don't think he was necessary in this role. I didn't hate him in it. I just don't think he brings anything up to the table other than being charismatic and the, one of the handsomest people on the planet. That's okay. That's okay. Sometimes that's all you need for a... a I mean, in, a lot of times that's this. all I need. <laughs> for a movie like this, that that's like the bar to hurdle, right? That's really, you know, hey, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for me. Overall, I- I'm right in the middle here with this one. It was, it was good. It, it was fine. Bordering on good. Let's put it that way. It almost that's got funny. to good. It almost got to good for me. But I don't, uh, I don't regret watching it. I could, I could say that. How about you? What are you thinking? I'm, I'm super curious. Yes. Um... So it played to me like a series of sketches. I do not think it was cohesive. Mm. I am generally a fan of sort of coming of age, slice of life, stuff like I Heart Huckabees, which I Heart Huckabees is definitely more into the surreal and wacky. Yeah. But like, on first glance, this movie is is a thing that's totally up my alley. But I don't think... Like you said, I don't think all the storylines held the same amount of weight and in interest for me. And I don't think that they the culmination of everything paid off. I think that's the big problem with this movie is it's one of those movies where you're following too many people. It takes too long to intro everyone. We're like 20 minutes into the movie by the time you've met all the main characters and sort of yeah. know why what their motivation is. And for a movie that's only like an hour and a half long, is that's super tight. That's too much time before you're getting into the story. There's too much exposition at the beginning to get to know all the characters. And the they all the storylines intertwine and they end up in one place at one time, like most of the ensemble movies do. Yeah. And there's usually a big payoff where there's some sort of not necessarily twist, but like all of the storylines come together in a way that's usually satisfying and this one does not come together in a way that's satisfying for me mm-hmm. i feel like it was a lot of build-up to a really big explosion and then the big explosion part fell really flat um i think that it's very run-of-the-mill as far as almost everything goes the soundtrack was like totally fine indie <laughs> music the yeah. cinematography Totally fine average cinematography. Editing, nothing to say there. Like, it was totally (laughs) average. Yeah. I think the script was totally average, too. I think that there's a lot of good ideas that are the seed of this movie that don't, like, come to fruition. I think that the 
whole idea of like the Common and Bradley Whitford storylines and how they come together and how they part at the end. So brilliant. Like, I love that. Uh, but it didn't really play out the way that you wanted it to. I think that the Jennifer Garner storyline, Jennifer Garner's character was not a real person at all. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie who are not a real person, but I feel like for as big a role as she played in sort of the pivoting of this movie, she had nothing in it. She didn't do anything. She had no role. Her character was not a real character. It was not a 3D fully fleshed out person. Um, I think that the the kid had some good stuff. But I also think that he, I don't know, it was sad. Like, his storyline was sad, and I felt for him. But it also yeah. didn't have enough, maybe it didn't have enough merit in the ultimate, like, con conclusion for it to feel satisfying. I liked the sad teacher storyline, but it felt like it was in a different movie. They all are very much, this whole movie is very much for people who are fans of comedy. Yeah. Uh, it feels a lot like, what's the one with... um. Keegan-Michael Key, and it's about a sad troupe of, like, improv actors who never go anywhere. Um, it's like, oh, God, I know what you're talking about. Never, never, uh, I can do a Google search because I'm yeah, a I was gonna smart say. person. So, <laughs> uh, um, don't think twice. That's it. Yeah, don't think twice. Oh, don't think God. twice. This movie is a much more quickly paced and comedic version of don't think twice but i feel like in the same way that don't think twice is by comedians for comedians i think that this very movie very much was also that but missed the mark as far as storytelling payoff so it didn't mm. hit quite the same but like the way the stories were told and very much that sad teacher who realizes he's never amounted to anything that whole storyline was very much a a pathos of a comedian. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like it, but that's very much what that storyline was. Keanu Reeves is hysterical and amazing and incredible and worth watching this movie for. And potentially <laughs> worth watching this movie in its entirety for so that you get how long it takes to get to the Keanu stuff. That you yeah. get the Keanu sprinkled throughout. I think that the the ending of it is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think it, it's so middle of the road for me because there's definitely times that I laughed that I, it went by so fast that it's hard to fault as being bad because, like, it never dragged. Even if it wasn't a storyline that I was as involved in or as interested in, it mm -hmm. still kept going. And right away you were to the next thing. I just don't think all of it... The, the concepts were more about, like, characters than they were about stories. All of all of the concepts for all of the different storylines, all of the different characters and how they intertwine were all great ideas for talking about people and how people interact and who people are. But it's not uh, it's not good storytelling in that they don't weave together well. They don't conclude well. Um, so I think as far as vignettes of people and people being people. Alice and Janney's facial expressions. Rob Riggle being a dunce that everyone hates. Um, yeah. Kind of all of it. Uh, Katie Holmes is the paramedic made me laugh so hard. Why do you keep calling us? <laughs> um, yeah. 
I feel like everyone did a good job in their own little vignettes, but I don't feel like it tied together to make an interesting movie. That's that's what I was when you had mentioned the the ending, like the payoff, right? Mm -hmm. I thought it would have been I, I thought it was building to Keanu just showing up at the school. And mm -hmm. I thought that would have been hilarious instead of like we have one kind of series of moments that happens at the school, then there's like a lull. Then we got to go over to this coffee shop and then do this thing over here. Well, like I the whole movie wraps up except for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yes. Damn. The it. whole movie is done. And then it's like, wait, but we still have to meet Keanu Reeves who we've been talking about this whole movie. Yeah. And it's like, we, but everybody's done. They've like shook hands. They're going home. They've got their kids in their cars. Like every, the day is done. The sun is setting. These two might be friends. Who knows? But wait, we have to have we have to have two minutes of Keanu first. <laughs> right. And make no mistake, listening audience, it is just John Wick wearing a red polo shirt. Like it is it is very clearly. <laughs> he just walked off the set of John Wick into yeah, this film. No, he's like still wearing John Wick shoes, but they put like a belt and a red polo and a Bluetooth earpiece on him. But they like. <laughs> They didn't cut his hair, even though this character would clearly have different hair. They just sort of slicked it back, and it was... Yeah, no, he walked off the set of John Wick and onto the set of this movie. And he was like, I will give you six hours, and then I gotta go back to John Wick. And they were right. like, we'll take it. <laughs> Judy Greer's like, deal! Mm -hmm. And who wouldn't? You'd be crazy not to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we're probably on the same page, right? Yeah. In terms of like our, it's like lukewarm, like all, just shy of, of good, I think. Just shy of good. I would not call this movie good, but I also would definitely not call it bad. And I think it in the like, it's like 60, 40, good to bad. I think it's, it's just tipping the scales into worth my time. It was certainly not a movie that I would revisit, but I don't, I'm not mad that I saw it, which is not the case for a lot of movies that we've covered in this podcast. <laughs> right. Some visible I don't think I've ever been anger. so angry at movies as I have been for several of the movies that we've watched <laughs> in this podcast. So you can go uh, ahead go definitely ahead and could up. be worse. You know, you can go ahead and say it. Which one? All of them. I mean not all <laughs> of them, but there's been a lot of Oh, okay. You know. I was gonna give you an opportunity to call out Ellie Parker again, which we I just mean, did, it's a terrible so. movie. <laughs> Oh, we had, okay, so this is a long story, but. I'm into it. My it's boyfriend's good. cousin brought by her boyfriend. They were going from New York to West Virginia, and we did like an outdoor, socially distanced, masked hangout, because I had never met the cousin. My boyfriend and his sister had never met her long-term boyfriend either. So it was like meeting him, meeting me, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about just stuff in general, and I brought up that I do podcasts, and the question was, you know, what are the podcasts that you do? And I talked about historical hotties, and then I talked about Cool Breeze, and then he started talking about how much he liked Knock Knock. Oh, no. And I oh, almost no. had a stroke right there on the sidewalk. Get out. Get I was out. like, you can never come back here. <laughs> You're not welcome here, sir. I said good day, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. He was trying to explain why he thought Knock Knock was a good movie. And I was literally so flustered. I couldn't even tell him why he was wrong. I was just like, okay, fine. I can't hear any more of this. I literally, 
I explained it so eloquently on the podcast and then I couldn't remember any of it. I was like, you're wrong. And that's all. I'm not going to even tell you why you're wrong because my brain won't compute that right. right now. It doesn't quite. Yeah. He could have probably said any other. Would you have heard a, a, an argument for any other movie? Yes. What if he. <laughs> right. He could have been like, let me tell you even about if why I love The Watcher. And that's would fine. Have been like, of course. Even if he had said, here's why Generation Um is a good movie. <laughs> I would right. be like, okay, you're wrong, but okay, it. I'll allow <laughs> it. <laughs> right. Knock, knock. And I mean, obviously, my boyfriend's cousin, I can't be calling her long-term boyfriend, partner, like an incel. But I wanted to because I was like, that's the only excuse for liking knock, knock is that secretly you're an incel. And it's like, oh, I can't accuse my boyfriend's cousin's partner of being an incel. I've just the, met everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on our first meeting. It's like, well, but your your taste is telling, sir. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I'll say. Wasn't that wasn't knock knock also the one? Um, I if I excuse me if I'm misremembering this, but isn't that the one that Jamie also basically told you like just turn this turn off it right off. now? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. So okay, all right. Yeah, uh, it's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, sidetrack. But yes, we're on the same page. I think we had very very similar reactions to this movie. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting. We'll get to the end and we do our recommendation. But I think. I think it might be time. Is it time? It's time. Let's let's do right. it. Let's knock on the void and get him out here. I have to remember to knock this time, but let's get through the <laughs> let's get through the theme song first. Pop quiz asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! Got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh my! Pop quiz asshole is our very own quiz show where our host asks each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. There is no third. So again, it is a game of skill, not uh, the not just what's left. <laughs> but that's very actually it's uh, very rarely been the case anyway. So yeah, we just got to nail it. One of us has to nail it. Mm-hmm. Uh, points are not cumulative and only determine who wins the episode. So. It's, it's really anyone's game, anyone's season, you know? We'll see what we could see. But as always, let's not mince words. I'm going to turn it over to our master of ceremonies, Charles Nolan. But I need to, I think I got to do this. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Charles. Hello, Whitney and Andrew. You are two of my favorite people. Oh, We're, thank you. Aren't we two of your only people? There are also Jody and Zoe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And occasional guests. That's right. The tweets get through to the void. So anybody who's tweeting at the Nolan on Twitter, it gets through. It gets through. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with a James, the librarian on Twitter today. (laughs) Perfect. What about? Was it, was it good? Was I it asked how things were going outside the void, and he said they should be avoided. <laughs> that sounds like oh. James. Oh, no. I kind of like it, though. It's, he's, he's right. He's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jody, as always, Charles, says, 
Hello. Hello, Jody. <laughs> so, uh, it's just the two of us today. So, uh, you know, I-, I leave the game in your very capable hands. Well, we've got plenty of questions for you two. I'm excited. Okay. Let's start off with Whitney. Yes. We see eggs in a basket being made. A delicious breakfast option of an egg cooked in a hole in a piece of toast. The recipe card tells us what level of heat to use. Oh no. Is it medium low, medium, or medium high? Oh, jeezy crazy. I that have was no not idea. One I'm just of the gonna... options. <laughs> medium high. That is incorrect. Dang it. I'm going to go with medium low. That is incorrect. God damn it. Then a point returns to the void. A point returns to the void. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Moving on to Andrew. Mr. Pendlehorn responds incredulously to Principal Nichols' suggestion that he might post a photo on Facebook, declaring, Facebook? I'm on what social media site? Was it Instagram, Reddit, or Snapchat? That was Snapchat. That is correct. All right. (laughs) Back up to Whitney. Yes. How far into the movie are we when the phrase, a happening of monumental proportions, is said? Was it eight minutes, 18 minutes, or 28 minutes? Mm, I'm going to say 28 minutes. That is incorrect. Dang. Uh, I'm going to go with 18 minutes? That is correct. Yes! I knew it was more than eight, but <laughs> right. then How I had much a 50-50 more? shot. <laughs> Andrew. All right. Field Publishing's conference room in which they discuss the vandalized coffee machine. What descriptor is attached to the word automobiles on its whiteboard? Uh-huh. Was it beautiful, sleek, or efficient? Uh, <laughs> uh, beautiful, I guess. I don't know. That is correct. I was not paying attention to that. That cop. I saw the car. Yeah. Because I was like, why is there a car on this, like, whiteboard? For a publishing firm. Yeah. (laughs) But I did not, I did not, I did not read the words. I did say, why is there a car here? I was, I was too transfixed on that lady playing the cop. I thought she was hilarious. She did a very good job. So funny. She was very, very funny. Speaking of very, very funny, Whitney. Mm-hmm. On what TV show did Bradley Whitford and Allison Jenny appear together? Oh. Was it The West Wing, Handmaid's Tale, or The Good Guys? The West Wing. That is correct. There you go. There you go. That one you just, you know, softballed to me. <laughs> I appreciate it. I will make questions harder for you in the future. No, 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 don't do that. 
do that. Oh, my plan. You can't plan, call him out. You can't call him out. My plan has fallen apart. Uh, hoisted mm-hmm. by my own petard. Bonus question, Whitney. What is the third letter of the 17th word in the movie? <laughs> there will be no multiple choices. <laughs> There are 26 Uh-oh. choices. <laughs> <laughs> I am oh. kidding. Oh, that's fun. Andrew. Yeah. All right. Mr. McRow teaches his music class about failure instead of going over which instrument. <laughs> Was it the glockenspiel, the drum, or the recorder? I, it has to. I didn't. I didn't hear it. But given how young those kids are, it has to be the recorder. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yes. That was pretty funny. Those kids were all like four. <laughs> we're gonna learn about failure. Back up to Whitney. What room number is the janitor roof access closet? Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this not softball enough for you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Was it 278, 782, or 827? 782. That is correct. Wow. Pure guessing. That That is crazy. I pulled that one out of my butt. Well done. Well done. Andrew. What was the number of the ambulance the paramedics drove? God damn it. Was it 065, 506, or 605? Oh my god. I've already confused these numbers in my head. <laughs> Is it. Was it 065? That is incorrect. God damn it. I don't know what the other numbers are. Five zero six. That is correct. Whoa! Love it. You love to see it. At the end of regulation, the score is Whitney with three, Andrew with four, and the void with one. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh no! If if they start going back to the void, the void is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh no, no, Charles has had a really long con going. That's, that's there are it. four questions in the bonus round. Holy Woo! cow. What a, what a round this is so far. As a reminder, there are no bonus round questions that are directed to any one person. They are posed, and then one of you will buzz in with your guess. Let's hear those buzzers right now. Whitney. Me. Andrew. And the void buzzer sounds like this. (laughs) That's going to be tough to beat. Charles. Thank you. (laughs) Bonus round question number one. All right. How long have John Cho's Mr. Ramirez and his spouse been married? Five years, six years, or seven years? Me. Whitney. Seven years. That is correct. Nicely done. I thought it might have been that, but then Mm. it said five and six, and I was worried. (laughs) Question number two. 
Miss Aaron's classroom is for which grade? Sixth, seventh, or eighth? Me. Whitney. Seventh? That is incorrect. <laughs> Andrew. Sixth. That is correct. Yes! Is the least sure I've ever been about the question. <laughs> well, it definitely it came wasn't in your eight. answer. They were way too young for eighth grade. Yeah. Oh boy. Question number three. In which movie did the actresses who played Nadine and Mindy previously appear together? Was it 13 going on 30, Dude Where's My Car, or Electra? Mm. Andrew I'm going to go with 13 going on 30 That is incorrect Damn it Steel Whitney Dude where's my car That is correct Oh my god what A classic A comedy classic mm. Okay <laughs> No it's not That is incorrect <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll buzz myself wrong for that one. <laughs> the final question of Pop Quiz Asshole. Okay. The score is currently five to five to one. Whoa. This is it. This is it. A, a real nail biter. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the coffee shop where Daniel and Bob meet? God damn. Oh, fuck. Was it the Blue Elephant, the Red Wolf, or the black bear? Me. Whitney. Red wolf? That is incorrect. <laughs> Andrew. Blue elephant. That is correct. Yes! <laughs> that was for all the marbles. You won this one. Yes! Oh my gosh. Congratulations, oh. Andrew, on your victory. Excellent! Get it up, yes! I gotta give it up for Whitney on this one, too. What a game. Great what game. What a game. Great oh. game. Oh. We crushed it. Everyone did so well. I'm so but Andrew did a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit better. That little bit was one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> and now is one of my favorite moments. It's Bob Quiz Audience. Our last episode was John Wick 2, and we had three Pop Quiz Audience questions. Question number one, what is John Wick's license plate? The correct answer was XAB-235. Correctly guessed. By Jody. Wow. Nicely done. Nicely done. I'll do. Excellent. There it is. The second question was the rooftop garden where John confronts Winston about the marker situation was used in a famous scene from what 2002 superhero movie? The correct mm. answer was Spider-Man. Correctly guessed by Zoe. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. 
I knew that one. I knew that one. That was the only one in the pop quiz audience that I knew. Spider-Man. That's right. All right. Okay. And question number three. What's the name of the museum exhibit through which John chases Santino? Jody got this one right as well. It was Reflections of the Soul. <laughs> Nicely done, Jody. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Oh. And for this week, we have three new questions. If you think you know the answer, tweet to me at the Nolan, T-H-E-N-O-W-L-I-N, or tweet with a pop quiz audience hashtag, and you will get called out if you get your answer right. Question number one. What does Mr. McRow call the day of nihilism and rock bottom that he hits? <laughs> Question number two. In the front row of Miss Aaron's class, right in front of Patricia, is a boy with a directional first name. What is his first name? And question number three. What do the friends of the security officer doing the interrogating call her? Mm. Tweet to me to get recognized next episode for your right answers. Excellent. Those are also very good questions. They are very good Thank questions. <laughs> they require actually watching. So, you know. I apologize to those who have already stated that they did not like this movie. <laughs> hey, some people may, may not have given it a fair shake. So, you know. Upon your rewatch, you may realize that it is better than you expected. That's right. Maybe we changed some hearts and minds. I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, it wasn't a ringing I endorsement. I, but I don't think we were so persuasive in, in our review of the movie. I guess not bad doesn't, yeah, <laughs> does not equal watch. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Jody, maybe. Maybe give it a try. Yeah, maybe. Oh, my. Charles, as always, thank you so much for the, the time and effort that goes into making this interesting and fun every single week, every episode. It's great. I am so glad that you enjoy it and have fun. I do. It's, it's a highlight I, for sure. I also do, Charles. I'm glad. Thank you for allowing me to come out of the <laughs> void and interact with people. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure how how we enabled that. I can't remember the tale, the origin story. Maybe that's a maybe that's a podcast for another time. That will be a Patreon <laughs> bonus episode. <laughs> we have a Patreon? What? We do now. <laughs> Actually, we do. We just oh, no. don't do anything on it. Why wouldn't I mean, come on. We get, we uh, the amount of stuff we give away for free? It's come true. On. It's already a bargain. It's it's not. It's nuts. It'd be crazy not to just subscribe. So anyway, Charles, thanks so much. I believe, I guess you'll return to the, the void now. And I look forward to chatting with you on our next episode. I look forward to it as well. I'm going to go into the void and scream for a long time because <laughs> I can. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, Sounds good. Uh -huh. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, Charles. What a character. What a character. <sighs> Whitney. Yes. I have 
I have a good news, bad news situation for you. The good news is, well, that's both good news, good and better news. The good news is you're running us through the major plot points. The better news is, I don't know if you saw the Wikipedia for this thing. Uh, that's the bad news, <laughs> is that I did not see the Wikipedia for this thing until I was getting ready to record, and I pulled it up because I failed to take notes while watching this. And then I was like, oh, this Wikipedia plot synopsis is far, far more succinct it's, than it's most slim. Wikipedia plot synopses. Yeah, so, of the past. Yeah. You, know, you remember back when we, we did our own and then around 1995-ish, Wikipedia started to pick up the slack for us? Yeah, for the first, we had to do the take the notes and write down every you know, beat by beat throughout the movie um, because no one else cared or knew about the films. Uh, and then yeah. when Wikipedia started having the synopses, we were like, great, we can just watch the movie and make our notes about things that we like and don't like and whatever and things we want to comment on. We don't have to get each, you know, plot point to say in the podcast. But then, again, this is the second time in this episode I've been hoisted on my own petard. <laughs> Because I did not take the beat-by-beat beat notes and assumed that Wikipedia would help me out here. And they have one paragraph of information about this film. Yeah. Let me do a quick... I'm going to do a quick search here because why not? We're already... We're running... We're, this is like a fine-tuned machine right now. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I kind of did one because I was literally... As I was like waiting for Discord to install updates so we could record this, I was like... Let's see, who else has a plot synopsis? The answer is nobody. There's a lot of reviews. I did not find a plot synopsis. They were all the, like, one-sentence IMDb synopsis and not, like, here's everything that happens in the movie. So I'm going to yeah. kind of go off the cuff here. It's mostly going to be Wikipedia with me filling in the blanks. I'm into it. Let's do it. So Common is an account manager at a publication and he's gearing up for career day at his daughter's elementary school. And they start, we start, I think they're the first story that we see and they are very clearly very close. The mom has died. Mm -hmm. However, common has been having an affair with Jennifer Garner, who is Keanu Reeves wife. Yes. Also his assistant at the office. So that's his very bad day is his affair at work is found out. The husband knows, the husband calls, and is like, I need to meet you, and also maybe beat you up. <laughs> and, then he tells, and then he tells the woman he's having the affair with that her husband knows, and she's like, you ruined my life, and he's pissed off. And then Common's office, I'm kind of going to go, like, story by story, because they all intertwine, and, and so the, like, timeline is very... Uh, jumps around a lot. But then yeah. Common goes into his office that day and there's crime scene tape around the kitchen <laughs> at the office because someone has cut the cord to the coffee machine and Bradley Whitford is the like new guy they brought in to tighten up the ship and this uh, I hate this company like there's a note that with like a penis drawn on it saying this company sucks and the coffee maker has been vandalized. And so they're doing a very, it feels very much like from the office or Reno 911, the oh, yeah. way that this investigation is happening with the security guard from the building and the crime scene tape and how seriously they're taking this. 
But Bradley Whitford is looking to make an example of somebody in this office. So Bradley Whitford pulls is they're pulling everyone into the conference room and this hilarious security woman is grilling them like it's a murder case, even <laughs> though it's just a coffee pot. And then he's supposed to introduce himself to the Bradley Whitford to because Bradley Whitford is tightening up the ship and, and whatever. So he's like, everyone has to go meet him and say something about themselves. And he does not impress Bradley Whitford. And then yeah. Jennifer Garner, because she's so pissed that her husband knows about her affair, goes into Bradley Whitford and says, I know who did it. It's common. He's the one who vandalized the coffee maker because she's trying to, like, get back at him for ruining her life, even though she's 50% of the people having an affair. Um, (laughs) So she's trying to get him in trouble. And she says that. They call Common in to say she told us about your mistake or your whatever. And he thinks they're talking about the affair, not that they're talking about the coffee pot, because he didn't do the coffee pot thing, but he did do the affair. So when they say she told us everything, he's like, it ended this morning. She's so pissed at me. Her husband found out. It's over. I know I shouldn't have done it. And then Bradley Woodford is like, wait, you're also having an affair with your assistant? You're definitely fired. Yeah. And then Camille Nanjiani is HR for the company (laughs) and hysterical, but he... Has to go to his daughter's career day at the school immediately after being fired. Mm-hmm. He gets to school and he stands up in front of his daughter's class and says, I was fired today. But it turns out Bradley Whitford is the father of the new kid at school. Yep. And he is also in that room for career day and they keep sniping at one another. Bradley Whitford's son is the new kid in school because they just moved into town for him to do this job. Turns out they move a lot. And this kid has no friends in his time zone. His really his only friend breaks up with him over like Skype because they're in different time zones. And she's like, I can't do this digitally. You have to go to your new school and make new friends. Have a nice Mm -hmm. life, basically. And that's his best friend. And he's like, wait, no. And so that's devastating enough as it is. Then he gets to school and immediately, oh, right before he gets out of school, his nanny drops him off. Like the nanny that Bradley Whitford has hired. Yeah. And she's clearly like the only caring figure in his life. You make that, you see that very clearly by the way she feeds him breakfast and takes him to school. And then she's like, today's my last day. I can't keep moving like this. I have other clients that I'm going to nanny. And so he loses his parental figure immediately after losing his best friend. And then he walks into the new school and immediately gets bullied Mm -hmm. because he's small and kind of nerdy, but also the new kid and it's his first day. So they're immediately like, Ooh, fresh blood. And they bully him. And then common's daughter ends up being really nice to him. And he is immediately in love. And honestly, who wouldn't be? Because she's incredible. <laughs> it's true. So she, like, picks him up off the ground and shows him around and does whatever. And he immediately, without any hesitation, says, do you want to go steady? And she's like, ooh, I do not. And he's like, take until lunch to decide. But then he keeps bothering her all day long. Have you decided yet? Have you decided yet? Have you decided yet? Which would make her, even if she had decided yes, decide no by the time lunch <laughs> rolled around. 
Uh-huh. And you really feel for this kid because he has just a heart. He has no one in his life and his father's clearly absent and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he has nothing going for him. So that's the kid. We also have... Oh, well, we have John Cho, who's the shop teacher. He's not in it for long enough to have his own sort of plot line, but he does talk with the kid and talk, you know, just sort of like, he's like, here, you're having a rough day. Let's talk in the bathroom and whatever. (laughs) And then throughout all of this, there's the music teacher who has been kicked out of the house again by his girlfriend or wife. I'm not sure. Was it girlfriend? They never actually said, yeah. Either way, he's sleeping in the street in his car again. This has apparently happened multiple times. And he is in this very nihilistic place of I have nothing and nothing matters. Throughout the day, his mom keeps calling him and he's too exasperated and and lost in his own pain of not having anyone or anything and being a failure in his life to answer the phone. And he goes up to the roof to kill himself, the depressed music teacher. The kid, who is Bradley Whitford's son, also goes up to the roof because he has no one and nothing. And not necessarily to jump because he's a very small child, but also because he needs to get away and disappear because he's very lonely and very sad. Uh, And then they end up having a meaningful conversation that turns both of their days around because the kid has a perspective of at least you have your mom who cares about you enough to call you 15 times today. And also you're not a failure because you, you know, meant something to me. And the teacher's like, hey, you're not a loser. I care about you, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But the bookends of this whole movie is Alice and Janney and Rob Riggle, (laughs) who run the school. It's the principal and the vice principal. And they walk up first thing in the morning and find the gardener dead next to a pile of manure on school grounds. And they call. They're like, we have to call someone. We have to take care of it. He's dead already, and school's about to open. And so they decide to move him out where kids can't see him. Get him away from the kids. They move him into the teacher's lunch. They call the paramedics. Well, they call 911, and they're like, hey, there's a dead body. 911 sends the paramedics, and they're like, this guy's dead. We help alive people (laughs) who are injured. Call the coroner. They call the coroner, and the coroner's like, we'll get there whenever we can. It's not an emergency because he's already dead. Um, so they have to figure out what to do with this dead body with career day happening and no one coming to take it. And really, it's just a lot of Rob Riggle being a very annoying, dense person and Alice and Janney making faces at him. Yeah. <laughs> that about As they're sums trying that to, up. yeah, hide the school's dead gardener from everybody, including faculty, including parents, including kids. So they are... Also trying to track down who this gardener is. And it turns out there's like six Kevins that work for the, the gardening company, the landscaping company. And all every single one of them says their Kevin is accounted for. And we actually never solve that. <laughs> it's never, it's left unanswered. We end the movie with him being like zipped up into a body bag. So finally the bo- dead body is off the premises. But we never figure out who that dead body is, which is I think one of the reasons it doesn't play emotionally is because it is literally bookending this movie uh like beginning and ending with this dead body that they have to take care of and we still don't even know if kevin is really his name and what his last name is and if he has any family that's going to be sad that he's dead and so when they're just like loading him up into the coroner van it's kind of like a i don't know i was nonplussed by that 
That checks out. Yeah. Did I miss anything? I think I think you'd be remiss not to mention what happens with Keanu in common. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I also didn't mention that that Common fights Bradley Whitford, although we kind of mentioned it before. They're sniping oh, at so each funny. other at, at career day. Common gets up and he's like, I was fired and that dude fired me. And then Bradley Whitford got up and he's like, this guy did something wrong and I have to make an example. And so, of course, I fired him. And then they're like, let's go fight outside. Yeah. So they go out into the schoolyard to fight. And that's when the kid is on the roof with the teacher. And so he's watching his dad fight Common as this teacher is debating whether or not to kill himself. (laughs) It's a lot. It, It is. It is a lot. But then... Keanu refuses to give up. There's been phone calls this whole time where he's calling Common and he's like, I know that you had an affair with my wife and I need to meet you and we need to have lunch and we need to whatever. And it's all very good, those phone calls. But then he shows up to a coffee shop at 3 p.m. after all of this fighting Bradley Whitford and getting fired and his daughter being upset that he revealed to the whole school before he told her that he was fired and all that kind of stuff. Um they go to a coffee shop and Keanu is there. And Keanu is ready to fight him, but Common brought his daughter. She's in the car and he's like, smart. Smart. <laughs> that was a, such a funny it he was. like taps his the side of his temple. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then he's like, come inside. And he takes Common inside and then makes him go into the bathroom of the cafe. And he's like Pull out your dick. And Common's like, no. And he's like, I have to compare whether it's healthy or not. I have to know about you. Um, Say disestablishmentarianism and pull out your dick. And Common's like, says anti-disestablishmentarianism, but decides not to pull out his dick. He's like, you know what? I've got my daughter. That's everything I need in life. I'm sorry that I screwed your wife or whatever, but I'm not going to show you my dick in a bathroom in a coffee house (laughs) under duress. And Keanu Reeves is like, well, then you're telling me you have a small penis. And Common is like, take away from this whatever you want. (laughs) And he's like, Uh well, I heard that you got fired in front of your daughter, essentially, at her school. And also you have a small penis, so I'm not going to fight you. (laughs) Right. You're like, okay. And he's like, okay. And then Keanu Reeves gives him an Indian burn on the arm <laughs> before leaving. You're not getting away that easy, sir. You Just know? a skin burn or, or a horse bite. Some people call them horse bites, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts know. of Depends names on where for the you same. are. Just to grab uh, the arm and twist the skin yeah, in two different just directions. Twist the skin. Um, so Keanu gives Common one of those and then. Colin gets in the car and that's the end of the movie, basically. <laughs> right. It's oh, it's so it's so close. It was so close to being like something. Something. It was so close to being something. And then it wasn't. Um, I definitely both uh, my boyfriend and I like sat up more when Keanu was on and we yeah. laughed the most when Keanu was on. And it was like. By far the best part of the movie. It had a sort of kinetic energy that Keanu brought to it that honestly is not that common with Keanu. I feel like he's much more sedate and reserved and sort of like a a lens of what's happening around him rather than coming in and being this sort of like chaotic 
kinetic energy of the <laughs> yeah. movie who where it's like wacky and wild and all over the place but he definitely was in this um so he's by far the best part and he made me end the movie it, having enjoyed myself if i if it didn't end with that i think i may not have liked the movie as much as i did yeah um because it was a very funny scene and he Played a very funny character and came in and did it. a very strong job. That's right for his and left reason. left a good taste in your mouth for a movie <laughs> that didn't wouldn't necessarily have otherwise. Yeah, he's a very yeah. This is a nice capstone. You know, it, this is just a very this is very much a first time director and first time writer situation. You know, mm-hmm. if it was like had another pass, I, I'm still I'm still thinking that. The performances that Judy Greer got out of everybody when they had stuff to work with were very good. I thought Jennifer Garner was very funny, even though we have established she wasn't a very like a real person. But the you know, her interactions. I, with I common, mean, I think I think that that her she has a personal relationship with almost everyone in it. Also, the bit part that I, I forgot to mention that I brought up very early on. Uh, I didn't want to necessarily say in case it was a question with Charles, but. Uh, there's a teacher who tries to come into the the teacher's lounge and they're like, this is closed for the day. And he's like, what the fucking gardener can be in here, but <laughs> eating bear yeah. claws, but the teachers don't get any comfort or rest. That's Fran Krantz, who okay. was Topher in Dollhouse, but also you'd probably know him as the nerdy pot smoker in Cabin in the Woods. Oh, shit. Okay. So yeah, I know. literally yeah. he's on screen for about 30 seconds. He has uh-huh. two lines of dialogue. You don't even fully see his face. He just comes in to open the door and complain <laughs> and bitch and then closes it again. That tiny part is also a person you recognize. So that, yeah. was, that was one thing that I forgot to mention when I was doing the rundown is Fran Krantz, who I love. That's fun. I think he's very funny. Is literally on it for a few seconds. He's not even in any of the big like wide shots of the crowd when they're like fighting outside or anything. He's just just about this. thirty <laughs> seconds. Open this door, complain, and then close the door again. Right. Just be very yeah. Just be very upset that you can't get your coffee. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So we got we got through it we did it we watched the happening of monumental proportions now i'm curious whitney mm-hmm. are you recommending this film i think if i'm talking to somebody about keanu reeves i absolutely recommend this film i okay. think that his performance was so shocking um because it's so counter to what we traditionally know him as it's it's out of his wheelhouse and he is the bright, brightest spot of this movie. So I think if it's somebody who's talking to me about this podcast or about being a fan of Keanu and I'm recommending movies that I've seen based on their love of Keanu, yes, I recommend seeing it just for his performance because it really is a pretty incredible performance, even though it's very, very brief. I think outside of that, there are much better ensemble comedies that I would recommend, and I think overall this was so average that I wouldn't bring it up to anybody ever. Um, So I think overall my answer is no, I don't recommend it. But to a Keanu Reeves fan, I do recommend it. 
Yeah, that pretty much mirrors my my exact thoughts. I am not rec- I'm not going out of my way. I will probably forget the name of this movie. Yeah, uh, I d- I've already <laughs> forgotten the name of this movie. <laughs> right, we literally just talked about it. Um, this won't be one where I'll be doing that thing where I'm like, it was, um, oh, Common was in it. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so in that regard, it, you know, it, it didn't land in a, in a big way for me. I liked some of the individual performances here, but overall, again, I, any, basically any of the other ensemble films that Whitney or I listed throughout this, I would rec, you know, good ones. <laughs> I would recommend over this. I heart. I recommend rat race over this. <laughs> Believe it. But again, Rat Race was a product of its time. It's true. It's I, so 90s. It's like. Right. I mean, I would. I mean, you know. think of any other movie that Seth Green has been in, and it's like that. Whether it's Can't Hardly Wait or whether it's um, Without a Paddle. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Feels right. <laughs> That's also a terrible movie, but also there's like a soft spot in my heart for those sort of 90s. It's like planes, trains, and airplanes with a like a, a '90s lens. Mm-hmm. Those like okay. I don't know. I hey, I okay. I the maybe list. it's a maybe it's a a um a bonus episode or something that we do. I feel like Rat Race. Oh, I don't know. I would love to watch Rat Race. I don't know if I would love it, love it. But I was going to say, it that. sounds like you wouldn't love it. You brought it up as a very bad example of something to avoid. <laughs> so I don't need necessarily need to make you watch it again. I haven't seen it since. Like, I, I remember. I think if you watched it now, it would feel very heartwarming and nostalgic because it's a type of movie that's been made for a long time. But there's in the 90s, it really had a resurgence hmm. of sort of like the, the wacky epic quest. Yeah. All right. All right. Maybe I'll see if I can find it. Maybe maybe a watch party or something is in order. I mean, I haven't seen it since it was out either. So. It could be very bad, and I just liked it because I was a teenager who wanted to watch, like, a shitty movie. Right. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying, in my memory, I had fun watching it. In, in a, uh, I did a quick search for Seth Green also, just because I was curious about what, what from his repertoire I have seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember Idle Hands? Uh-huh. Okay. It's all, I've. It's I not a good I, repertoire. I, I'll say that. <laughs> I think I might have liked that movie. I can't remember. Was that? I did. Oh, I'm trying to. Is that Jessica Alba also? Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Everyone from the 90s in that time. Uh, you know, Seth Green was in a lot of ensemble type movies. And he. There's a lot of people in a lot of those movies, but none of them are particularly great. <laughs> Got it. Got it. All right. <laughs> Seth Green, he's he is not our next uh, rewatch. He's not on the no, list. No, that would not be a good idea. <laughs> but uh, I'm curious now. So neither of us recommend this movie. Where are you going to put this on your list? Which is a much more interesting uh, discussion, I believe. So I put it at number 26. Okay. Below 47 Ronin, but above a scanner darkly. Not quite in the middle, because now we've watched 60, but mm, more or less right around the middle, uh, you know, 
percentage of movies. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go um, quite, quite a bit lower, I think. Um, I'm going to put on, yeah, I'm going to put it at 34 for me. That's um, fair. That would be uh, beneath the day the earth stood still and above, just above the Bad Batch. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that feels pretty good. Right in the, yeah, like right in that middle pocket. It's like, great. I think the Watcher needs to be higher on my list. <laughs> I, remember, remember, I immediately, I regretted it the episode after The Reckoning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I should have moved the Watcher way up. Because like, Scanner Darkly has a lot of good points. I'm not going to watch it again. I've now seen it twice. After rewatching Bram Stoker's Dracula, like, maybe I'll watch it during Halloween when I'm watching a bunch of, of course. you know, whatever. I'm never going to watch Little Buddha again. I'm <laughs> never going to watch Permanent Record again. I'm never going to watch The Replacements again. I'm never going to watch The Day the Earth Stood Still. And, like, that's why a happening in Monumental Proportions is on top of all of those. But then mm-hmm. The Watcher is below all of those. It's down at 36. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I would watch The Watcher again. Hey, the watcher right. should be in my top 50% and it's not and it should be maybe we get to the end of this current season which is you know, well, I mean the season will go on but maybe when we get to the end we have we can have a reshuffle I don't know we make really, the rules I just we need can to do whatever the watcher. we want yeah I just need to move the watcher I don't really feel like I need to move anything else I feel pretty solid about my list but Interesting. the watcher should right. be higher yeah, we both we have that in common. I'm sorry, the Street even... Kings will never go higher. <laughs> no, Melissa, no. Uh, okay, that's all been logged. The list is looking good. Not too many mm-hmm. more entries left. So let's talk about next week. I uh, I will be walking us through Siberia. Mm-hmm. I have seen this. I believe you have not. I have not seen it. I know nothing about it except for. How bad uh, the chat <laughs> has talked about this movie being slander. Uh, they've talked. They've said it's terrible. Like everyone in the chat when we've recorded has said, "Just wait till Siberia." Over and over and over again. So I definitely have an opinion of Siberia <laughs> going, even in. though I have yeah. no idea what it is about. Expectations mm-hmm. primed, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I I will not say much about Siberia other than to hmm I don't want to outright disagree with the chat I just want to I want to temper I want to I think it should be tempered You know it's not We've seen some bad movies I'll leave it at that <laughs> I, I don't I don't believe very this bad movie. Yeah, I don't believe this one is among them. That's why this movie did not get anywhere near a 16 percent like the critical scores, because I'm certain that we've watched a large percentage of movies that were worse than the one we just watched. Um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it definitely does color how bad when your scale goes so low, the curve is definitely <laughs> changed for what is a bad and what is a good movie. Yeah. You have like a bad movie at sea level and then way down at the ocean floor, we mm-hmm. have knock knock. Mm-hmm. So it's like the scale is all weird and With the like and- lamp rays and whatever. 
<laughs> exactly. So mm-hmm. the anglerfish and the, down in the deep depths. There's all sorts of weird alien shit down there that we don't know yeah. about. And some of that shit is Generation Um and Knock Knock <laughs> and Ellie Parker. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely and so a movie like happening of monumental proportions kind of just feels like a nice going for a nice sail on this ocean surface <laughs> right it's like oh, it's nice sun it's mm-hmm. mostly sunny it's a nice breeze mm-hmm. whatever Who cares mm-hmm. uh i'm excited i i've seen siberia once uh i i want to rewatch it and give it a give it the fair shake probably somewhere um, around the continental shelf <laughs> Yeah, if you just had the if you had the ballpark, it that's that's a pretty safe place to just <laughs> that's a that's a good starting point for most uh-huh. of these films. So uh, there we go, there we go. Uh, I don't know if we have anything else. I think we did it. I think we got through this. Yeah, that's everything. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm checking chat. We're all clear here. That's good. Nothing. We we weren't terribly wrong or correct about anything. It's good. So uh, we'll be back. Next week in your podcast uh, clients there. But until then, Whitney, where can people find you on the Internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And I am at Whitney Nelson on Instagram. And I have definitely been posting a lot of pictures of my new dog. Oh, peanut butter. Peanut butter. Although he has not really responded to peanut butter, but he is responding to Buddy. So we have more or less changed his name to Buddy. Buddy's uh, a good name. I mean, he's a great dog, and I Buddy is a little bit too vanilla for me as far as mm-hmm. names go, but, like, I've suggested names for dogs like Lieutenant Colonel Work From Home. <laughs> That's a, it's very so, formal. <laughs> yes. Um, I like it. So... You know, something that feels more common, like Buddy, doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but it fits him because he's a very good dog. Sure. Yeah. It's just when, you know, you're going to like Buddy if you have to fill out any kind of paperwork, you know, Lieutenant Colonel. Who knows how to spell (laughs) Colonel or Lieutenant for that matter? Actually, I don't know how to spell either of them. The I before the U. Is it one of those weird? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Those are two of the hardest words to spell. So. <laughs> back to back. Yeah. Uh about me. Uh you could find me on the internet at Dark Driving. Twitter and Instagram are the best for those two things. At Cool Breeze Pod, obviously. We all read that. We love that. Please keep sending great stuff, including all this great Keanu comic book news. <laughs> Looking forward to it greatly. Ah, oh, that's it. We're done. I'm gonna press this button like I always do. And say thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. <laughs>